This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. TuneIn is the audio platform with something for everyone. News. In order to secure convictions in a court of law, it is essential that we conclusively. Sports. The clock at four. Donchich. The step back three. You bet. Music. You said my world on even podcasts. Whatever you love, hear it right here on TuneIn. Go to TuneIn.com or download the TuneIn app to start listening. Good evening, everybody. How y'all doing? Welcome to the show. Got a great show planned for you. Um, DMs always open. So if you got a DM for us, drop in the DMs on our Loveline IG page. Love to hear from you. Topics you want covered, questions you got for us. I uh, wanted to open the show recognizing a lot of people are working from home. Uh, for some people, that is just the new state of things. Um, it's interesting to see a lot of people that's become kind of the, the structure they're looking for employment wise. And I think that that's, you know, really a beautiful thing. We're looking at productivity and how working from home actually increases productivity. I've been thriving working from home. I'm working more honestly. Uh, Within the time frames and moments where I have true energy, I'm able to kind of set my schedule. And so it's more honest. It meets me at based on my energy levels. Um, and, and, and I'm working with others and they're able to have access to their refrigerator and eat the foods they want to eat on their lunch break. And they have access to their own private home bathroom and they can maybe, you know, start the day an hour or so later and work a little bit later. They can even kind of piecemeal it throughout the day. So a lot of people are really thriving, having more control over their work environment. Um, it's kind of great. It's such an interesting time with labor, you know, companies are unionizing and there's a lot of countries that are starting to do more flex time and they're doing four day work weeks, six day work hours, and we're seeing more productivity. So it's really great. But I want to talk about how we can make sure though we're still taking care of ourselves, self-care while working from home. Because I think the darker side is that without these regulated schedules or enforced structures, some people can maybe not be taking care of themselves. And maybe they're working longer hours and uh, it's working against them in terms of their own mental health. So I wanna talk about the self-care tips for those that are working from home so that we're still looking out for ourselves. I was talking about this a lot more during COVID and I thought it's an important thing to kind of circle back to as things have evolved and changed. And we were also, you know, God bless, I was recognizing how everything was closed and people were trying to like work from home and also do childcare and still, you know, clean the house and my God, still sometimes, you know, people's birthdays were popping up and holidays and it was like, how do we manage all of this at one time? Uh, and there's a lot of people whose work I'm looking at that are saying, you know, as a country, we really should not have been just pushing through. Um, and we're seeing that come up with things even like what happened with Amazon and the tornadoes where people are saying, you know, we're still, again, to our detriment, putting work and productivity before all else. And people literally were told, if you don't come into work, you'll get fired. And so people showed up and unfortunately they died. Uh, and that's, again, another example where we're not putting people before profit. And um, we should not have been expected to still keep working during COVID. We were in a global pandemic. The you know, government just said, stay home and rest and take care of your family. Deal with all the fear and anxiety that's coming up around that. My God, like, like, let's acknowledge that things aren't going well, but that wasn't the case. And everyone was kind of like, get back to work. And I think I noticed a lot of people in the mental health world and the APA, the American Psychological Association, was talking a lot about this as well, which was that unfortunately... You know, we were saying things like, oh, it's reasonable that, you know, during a pandemic, people are risking their lives and whatnot to still go to work. But don't you dare go socialize to see your friends. And we were saying how backwards that is, that if we were going to die or risk COVID infection, what should be at the top of the pile is to see friends and family and community, that that should have been the only reasonable thing or expectation around leaving the house and that work shouldn't be worth 
possibly getting an infection or losing your life. And that that should be very unreasonable, that we should only be making risks to, to gather as a community and to heal. We shouldn't be taking risks to get to work. Um, but we don't live in a culture that really affords us that ability. So APA is still talking about that a little bit. And I think that's going to be part of some of the trauma that's occurring and will occur whenever all of this kind of ends is that we got our priorities wrong and we should have been staying home. And, and, and like I said, again, only looking out for each other, not worrying so much about all these other pieces. Um, the government should have paid us to stay home and we still should have had access to our basic needs. But Sally, that's not the case. Um, so basically prioritizing our mental health and focusing on self-care while working from home. Well, the first thing I want to remind everyone is sleep, 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 sleep. Uh, every time I look at articles on physical health, mental health, things related to the pandemic, um, things, re things related to whatever it is, the one thread <clears throat> that you will always see woven throughout is sleep. And many health professionals like myself will say, if there's one thing, if there's just one thing you, you try to improve or work on that will have a very global ubiquitous you know, impact on you in a positive direction, it's gonna be sleep. Getting not enough uh, is, is, is detrimental on so many levels. I think we've talked about that on the show, um, but it's the very foundation for your day. And while exhausted, we can't be expected to be at our best while exhausted or you know, not getting enough sleep, we can't be expected to manage our emotions, we can't be expected to set boundaries, we can't be expected to be productive, whatever, whatever the, the, the goals are you have for that day, sleep is like that, that basic foundational thing that's necessary. So much so that we don't even talk about it much. We gotta take a little break, we're gonna come back, keep talking about self-care and prioritization of our mental health while working from home. And uh, again, even if you're not working from home, these things are still important and still apply. So stick around for that. Like I said, we'll be doing some DMs later. So stick around. You're listening to Love Line with Dr. Chris on Channel Q and Odyssey. We'll be right back. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. TuneIn is the audio platform with something for everyone. News. In order to secure convictions in a court of law, it is essential that we conclusively sports. That clock at four. Donchich. The step back three. You bet. Music. You set my world on fire. Yes, and even podcasts. Whatever you love, hear it right here on TuneIn. Go to TuneIn.com or download the TuneIn app to start listening. Nerds. Today's episode is sponsored by Nerd Wallet Smart Money Podcast. Get your head in the financial game with smart investing and budgeting tips straight from the nerds. Nerd Wallet's experts will set future you up for success with dependable, fact based insights. No financial misinformation allowed. Learn how to save on your summer vacation, find your next credit card, or loan for a big purchase, and invest in your next index fund. Make smarter decisions in 2024. Follow Nerd Wallet's Smart Money Podcast on your favorite podcast app. Right, so we're back and we're talking about mental health and self-care while working from home. And before the break, I was saying that a lot of experts agree that if there's one thing you work on, just one thing you improve of all the things that we can be working on improving, sleep. Sleep is it. It's, it's that foundation of, on, on which everything else is built. And if you don't have your sleep, then you're running the risk of everything being overwhelming, everything burning you out, you not being at your best, you not being the most grounded. That's why at the end of the day, it's very difficult for us to not snap at people because we're burnt out. It's why at the end of the day, it's very hard to stick to whatever goals you had set for that day. It's why at the end of the day, it's really hard to follow through on, you know, you know, meal prep or going to the gym or um, cleaning the house or whatever it was. We are tired. And when we don't have energy, it's really hard to stay focused and motivated and to achieve certain goals. And that's why whatever it is that really needs to be done is most difficult for you. You should do it at the beginning of the day when you're rested, when you're grounded. Um, but that's why, yes, it's at the end of the day that people really struggle to take care of themselves. That's when people are over drinking, over smoking, overeating. Um, you got to have 
you got to have rest. You got to have energy to really stay targeted with something. Um, so prioritizing sleep is important now more than ever. Um, and for a lot of us, that's going to mean things like setting boundaries and going to bed on time. It's going to mean turning that movie off and finishing it tomorrow. It might mean, you know, getting off the phone earlier with a friend. It might mean not going out. Um, really, really asking yourself, what, what do I need to be prioritizing and, and what kind of day am I having tomorrow? And, uh, you know, eight hours at least, which some people are like eight hours. I'm lucky if I get four, that's not good. <laughs> and you're not showing up optimally and you're not able to show up from your best. So if you're having a lot of relational conflict, it might be because you're, you're too tired. Um, if you're forgetting things and you're not achieving a lot of goals, again, it might be because you're too tired. And this is where we really borrow a concept that I think is so beautiful. It's called spoons and it comes from the disability community. And it basically says that every day when you wake up, everyone has a different set of spoons and spoons occupy, or they really are a metaphor for units of energy. And we all wake up with a different level of energy for our day. And that's why I'm saying over and over and over and over, we can't have the same expectations on everyone. Everyone has different neurology, different biology, different stressors in their lives, different traumas. Some people have you know five spoons or five units of energy every day some have 10 some wake up with only two because of chronic fatigue or trauma or depression or whatever it is and we have to decide sometimes the night before knowing what's expected the next day how much energy do I need to have how much sleep am I going to need to get how much is going on in my world I know when I have a lot going on and I know when the world's not doing too well and I'm very sensitive to what's happening around me uh, culturally and environmentally I need to get more sleep because I'm going to be facing a lot more, not just with my to-do list, but also with my emotions around everything because that matters too. It's not just, oh, you know, I just have these physical things to do, but it's also what are the um, what's the emotional drain on those things that you have to do and within the context of the world we're living. Because I have a lot of clients that are like, look, I might not have a lot to do, but emotionally recognizing what's going on with, you know, Last week we had a car bomb um, in, was that in Haiti? We had uh, a gigantic ice sheet that's gonna be breaking and impacting the environment. We had the deaths in the Amazon, uh, at the Amazon and also you know in the states that were impacted by the tornado. Um, we have what's going on in the Ukraine and with Russia. We, I mean, like the, end, the list is endless and that all has an emotional response tied to it. So we wanna also be taking that into account. So self-care begins with a good night's rest. Mental health begins with good night's rest. Physical health begins with a good night rest. So pay attention to that. What time do you have to go to bed? Um, then also, and this is something I talk to a lot of couples about, transitional rituals. We need to be more thoughtful about how we go from state to state or phase to phase, from work to home or home to sleep or from singledom to relationship when we get home, or from you know, single autonomous person to you know, parent or partner, those transitions matter, especially for kids, but also for adults. Um, and that's why I talk a lot about giving yourself that break of realizing I'm now off the clock, that is behind me. Or I'm no longer playing parent, all the kids are in bed, and now I'm transitioning into just easing into my night and, and, and rest or whatever it is. Um, I talked a lot on the show about how when I would leave the office, when I was going into my office, I always changed my clothes right away. And that was part of me psychologically leaving clinical work behind and everything that was tied to that. And I was coming home into family life. And if I had children, after I put everyone to bed, I would try to do something to ease into my private time. Maybe I'd make a cup of tea. Maybe I'd put on pajamas. These are different things people do to kind of ease into a different identity. Maybe you're on your own all day and then your partner comes home from work and you wanna somehow transition now into couple time. So maybe you go for a walk or maybe you cook dinner together. Maybe you sit down and eat together. Maybe you sit down and share your day and that's a way to transition in. It's a way to really be more present with ourselves and what's happening around us. Um, just like some people have those transitions into work, but again, we're talking about working from home and so it's really, really important that you have a way that you transition into work mode and that you transition back out of work mode. Because for some of us, and some people this isn't a relevant topic, they're, they're good letting work be punctuated throughout their day, but when you're working from home, for a lot of us, there needs to be a time when we're quote unquote done. And maybe that's about working in a certain room 
and we leave that room and don't enter it again until the next day when we work. Maybe it's about having our work stuff set up in a certain area and when we're over in that area, we're in work mode and then we transition out. For some of us, we might get into our work clothes and that's a way of saying I'm in work mode, but when work is done, I transition out by changing my clothes. But if you don't do this, for some of us, we'll carry the anxiety of work-related stuff with us and we need to find a way to symbolically step out of that and leave it behind for our mental health. Um, that's what a lot of professionals do when they come home and they have to be a part of family life. But when we're working from home, we still have to find ways to do that because we want to have clear boundaries. We need that emotionally. Uh, we're going to take a little break and we're going to come back and keep talking about, uh, self-care and mental health while working from home. Um, I'm working a lot with this, uh, topic with some clients in my practice. So, and then we'll be, uh, sliding into those DMs. So if you've got a DM for us, drop in the DMs on our Loveline IG page, questions, topics, and past episodes of Loveline over at wearechannelq.com. Stick around, y'all. We'll be right back. You're listening to Loveline with Dr. Chris on Channel Q and Odyssey. All right, y'all, we are back and we're talking about ways to dun, 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 focus on your mental health while you are working from home. So we're talking about sleep, 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 sleep. Uh, it's really important. Also transitions. We can't always be quote unquote in work mode. Some people, they are fine that way. Others, they need to know that it is done, done for the day. Um, and so again, for some of us, that means having an area that is the work area or the office. And when you're there, you're working, maybe you're wearing your work clothes, even at home, or at least changing your shirt. And then when you're done, you step away and you leave work behind. Some people, they can scatter throughout their day. Some people can go back and forth. Some people can have work stuff sitting you know, on their couch or their kitchen table. Others, they need it out of sight, out of mind. They need it very contained. I'm one of those people. I don't just have my clinical life or my media life scattered throughout. I have a desk in my office at home. That is where work happens. And when I'm done, I walk away from it. And when it's work time, I come back to it. And another part of that is also having start and stop times. Even if you're working from home, don't let it just drift into your day. Have a time that you get up and that you start work and maybe have a time where you're off of work. Transitions are really important for us. So we're not constantly, as we, as we say, hyper-aroused or dysregulated because for some people work carries a lot of stress. And just like you might look at the clock when you're at school or at the office and you're waiting for four o'clock to go home or six o'clock or whatever time, we need to have that off switch where we can <sighs> sigh a breath of relief because we're not going to be encountering all that stuff again until tomorrow. Working from home can make it a lot harder because we don't have those rigid boundaries. And so our mental health can often be still a struggle to kind of soothe ourselves. Um, so really pay attention to that. What time are you starting? What time are you stopping? Is work able to, you know, kind of drift and exist outside of those window periods? Um, that's why I, I think it's a good idea to still get up at a certain time, put on some work clothes, take your lunch break at the same time during the day, step away from your stuff at home, come back when you're finished. It's, that's, that's really, really, really meaningful. Um, also, and this is also part of this, I'm seeing some people struggle with the opposite where they're not physically taking care of themselves because they're just letting work go on endlessly. And for a lot of us, that might mean sitting, that might mean staring at a screen, that might mean a lot of Skype time or Zoom that is hard on our eyes, that is hard on our necks, that is hard on our posture, and it's not good to be sitting that long. And so make sure you are getting up and moving around. That might be one of the gifts of working from home is you can do some work while standing up. Every hour you can get up and stretch. Every hour you can get up and go for a walk, maybe get some coffee or some water. But make sure you're building in movement. I had to remind myself of that because it's very easy while working from home for me to be sitting in my office, staring at the screen, doing therapy back to back to back to back, barely having time in between, thereby sitting for almost eight hours plus straight. Where at my office... I can move around in my chair, someone's sitting in front of me, I can break eye contact, but when you're doing Zoom or Skype therapy, it's not the same and it can look like you're actually distracted or doing something else. And so it's a lot of strained direct focus at a screen for longer periods of time than I've ever done in my life. Again, in my job, I'm usually sitting in front of a person, but now it's all Skype. And I've noticed it started to make my eyes hurt, my eyes dry, my eyes tired. I noticed that the positioning of my screen impacted my neck. I was looking down and I was starting to get a sore neck, so I had to raise my screen up. 
I noticed it was a lot of sitting. So I'm making sure at the end of my day that I'm going and getting some exercise in so that I'm moving my body every single day so that it wasn't just eight hours of sitting in my chair doing therapy. And then however many hours sitting at the table eating and then sitting on the couch reading or watching a movie. I had to make sure every day I was building in some movement. So that's part of this as well, you know, because um, again, working from home has been very beneficial for most of us, but it can also create some really bad habits. So think about that <laughs> and make sure you're still taking the weekends. I, I want us to be thoughtful about not letting work drift into every area of our lives. Still have your evenings, still take your weekends, still take your lunch break or dinner break. We, have, we, want to, we want to be looking out and taking care of those moments. I, I have a few people in my practice that are trying to go above and beyond. And I'm saying to them, how many hours were you sitting? How many hours were you hunched over a computer? How many hours were you standing, staring at a screen? And it's quite detrimental. So check in on that. Our bodies should not be hurting because of the labor we're doing. And sometimes um, it's just about raising the screen, lowering the screen, pushing the screen back, pulling the screen up. Um, changing our chairs, putting a pillow in our chair, having water on our desk. These little small things all add up. So, so don't, think, don't think that they're, they're not impactful because they are. Um, all right, we're going to take a little break. We're going to come back and we're going to slide into those DMs. And then we're going to talk about uh, a topic that is a lot of parents' most anxiety-inducing things, which is how to have the talk when we have the talk. And you know what I mean by the talk. Oh, that birds and the bees talk. So this is for parents, but this is also a topic for everyone. But like I said, coming up next, we're going to be sliding into those DMs. So if you got a DM for us, drop in the DMs on our Loveline IG page. Past episodes of Loveline are over at wearechannelq.com. Stick around, though. we got a lot more to come. You're listening to Loveline with Dr. Chris on Channel Q and Odyssey. Oh, Rachel, we are back and now it's time to slide into those DMs. Sliding into the DMs. This one says, hey, Chris, I was married for about five years. Things started going really bad in 2020 and still continue to. And so we are getting a divorce. Okay, I'm not going to say sorry to hear that because that sounds like a good thing. If things aren't going well and it is not the relationship you want, it is a healthy, good sign that you're exiting. Remember, the worth or success of a relationship is not in the amount of time that it existed. It's in both of you being good partners to each other and lovingly ending it when it's gone its course. So I'm just going to say that. Um, however, you said we don't have any children, but he is taking our dog. I don't know what to make of that. I'm sorry. My question for you is, you say, do you have any tips for a newly single gay guy getting back out into the dating world and during a pandemic? Uh, I sure do. I have a lot of thoughts on everything. I think it's a good time to do it. I always think it's a good time to do it because there's always single people wanting to find love, companionship, relationality, or people that are in a primary relationship looking for something secondary or tertiary, right? Because people are poly, open, monogamous, all sorts of fun, creative stuff. Um, I am always a fan of the apps. They are not perfect. There's a lot of toxicity on them. However, like I always say, there's thousands upon thousands of people on them. Gives you access to people that live further than you would ever bump into them because they're outside of your local area. You can date people all across the country and the world, as I have done. Um, also, it lets you be accessible and dateable while you're not even logged on because your profile is just kind of out there floating. So I think it's a great idea for those that are actually super busy. Not everyone has the time to be out and about. Not everyone lives in an area where they have access to other people, especially gay people. Some people live in more rural areas. Online gives you access to anyone. Um, it also helps you learn communication skills and boundaries, but just don't be unethical about it. Like treat it seriously. Treat the people on there seriously. Everyone who's on there, in theory, is looking for a relationship. So. Don't, don't make that system or that process harder. Uh, bring a lot of kindness to it, be honest. Um, also, you just gotta, while you're out in the world, live in the world singly. What does that mean? It means headphones off, head up, making eye contact with people, smiling with people, talking to people, being approachable and accessible. No one is going to run across the restaurant or the supermarket and, and try to tackle you to get your name or number. They're gonna try to make a little bit of flirtation, flirtational eye contact or whatever it is. So. 
you know, be accessible, be available, be approachable. Also approach people. If you want to be in a relationship, you have to be willing to be vulnerable and hit on people and ask them out. And also, like I said, be, be able to be asked out. So start practicing that. Be friendlier when you're out. Smile. I know, smile. You know, smile back. Move your body near other people's bodies. It's really hard for some people to jump over a lot of hoops just to get to you. So you have to make it easier. But um, I think the apps are very helpful. You're going to learn a lot on those things. I mean, that there's like a crash course in that. Um, a lot of bad behavior on those as well. But um, also just put it out there to your friends. You know, sometimes sharing with your friends that you're single and you're open to a relationship now that, you know, your former one is ending. Sometimes they know people. There used to be a lot of that going on. Not so much anymore. Not a lot of people setting each other up. Um, but yeah, it's basically the apps. Living singly while out in the world and also making yourself socialize in places that have higher concentrations of gay people, you know? Um, for some, that means bars and clubs. Others, that means book readings, performance spaces, art shows, um, things like that. So spend time in environments that are honest with who you are and what you enjoy so as to meet people that are very like-minded. You can also join some meetups. Every city has them, and they often have ones for single people, single gay people, single straight people. And um, it's an activity. So you're going to be doing stuff with others, kind of reduces some of the anxiety, makes it less, you know, less pressure, less intensive. It's also dating services. I know. Remember those? I have some clients that use some uh, matchmakers, you know, so there's a lot of options for you, actually, you know, live singly, use the apps, hang out in spaces that, you know, would have others that have common interests, go to spaces that have high concentrations of gay people and uh, maybe try a dating service and tell your friends. It's all we got. But if you make use of all those, you kind of uh, increase your chances. If you've got a DM for us, drop in the DMs on our Loveline IG page. Questions you got, topics you want covered, things you want us to circle back to. Always happy to hear from you. And past episodes of the show are over at wearechannelq.com. Look for Loveline, scroll down and click on it. You can binge, post, share, and re-listen. But uh, stick around because we got tons, tons more to come. You are listening to Loveline with Dr. Chris on Channel Q and Odyssey. Stick around, y'all, because we will be right back. All right, y'all, we are back, and we're talking about how to have the talk. Bum, 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 bum. This is more like the, the, the you know, sex ed talk, but it's more the puberty version. Um, why is this important? Well, it's vastly important because a lot of people don't get this talk at all. Or they get it in school and it's really bad. Again, this isn't the full sex ed talk. This is really more about our bodies and uh, self-care around sexual health and wellness. And we don't want to leave it to kids to pick it up on the streets, as they say. I, I think back to some of the most heinous things I have been told uh, that were completely factually incorrect when I was a kid. I had an older brother, so it was really kind of funny when I look back at like how it was that certain things became introduced to me. My school talked a little bit about this in health class, and we definitely had a sex ed class, but it was abysmal. They separated us out by gender. Um, uh, my parents didn't really know what to do with this much themselves. Um, and a lot of times, we just think it's about um, periods, uh, things like, you know, erections and sex, but I really want to round this out and just throw out a few talking points that are maybe a little more meaningful. Um, we do, we do want to first create, um, a, an environment in our homes where our, our children and, um, even our partners really know that we're accessible because the way we, the way we handle topics and uncomfortable conversations communicates just that, how we handle difficult topics. And we want to always present as a safe resource so that our children and our friends and our family members will feel like we're someone they can go to or don't because maybe you don't want that. <laughs> but I think if we're raising kids, we definitely want to have that. And if we're in a relationship with someone, we definitely want to be a safe resource for everyone. And so the way we talk about these things communicates you know, whether or not they can call you if they're in trouble with something unrelated. And this is a really good way to start practicing that because these more vulnerable, anxiety-inducing topics, if we can tackle those, we can tackle the ones that we have a little more confidence and comfort around. Um, we do want to be able to talk about things like deodorant and BO and bathing. We do want to be able to talk about general hygiene. Um, and a lot of families do. They maybe brush their teeth together and they purchase um, 
you know, different hygiene related things and they talk about how they use them or some kids have seen their parents use them, but not every, and not every family has that. So I'm just kind of floating that out there that these aren't things that people naturally just know how to do. These are, these are skills that we have to really kind of be taught or shown. And part of like sexual health and wellness includes hygiene. So, so remember that I, I follow and I work with a lot of gynecologists that are trying to desperately at least re-educate us and help us unlearn the idea that vaginas um, are unclean and that they need special cleaning fluids and liquids that turns out are very bad for your pH and it implies that you should have shame about your body and that you know vaginas are self-cleansing like a lot of our bodies and that you know just general showers and soap and water are really all that we need um, but then we talk about things like you know deodorant and bo that sometimes soap and water aren't enough and that there's no shame in people having body odor that's part of life that that happens but that there are sometimes ways to prevent that or mitigate the impact of that especially if you're going to be having sex with someone or going on a date um, again the whole key with all this is just being very non-judgmental and factual um, there's nothing more difficult I you know work with people that'll say how do I tell my partner that their breath smells or that they need to wear deodorant and the answer is by telling them there's no magical script uh, but for a lot of us we've never had these conversations or we've never been approached about it or we've never had to approach someone and so it's foreign to us but you know work in mental health is about normalizing these things these are things that happen sometimes your breath will smell it doesn't it shouldn't be something we have shame about um, sometimes we need to put deodorant on or put some more on again nothing we should have shame about and we're always non-gendering these things um, so anyway just saying all that on the front end um, so one of the things that I think is important to talk about uh, with puberty uh, developmental milestones which are relational and sexual and remember that there are important relational and sexual milestones that we need to achieve and if you're a child who is trans or queer a lot of these are delayed because you might not have other trans or queer kids to date or you might not have a safe space to really step into and practice socializing or courting people and so some of us are delayed in learning these skills and stepping into this um, but the reason I bring that up is to point out that everyone's going to be on a possibly different timeline and that's okay. I want us to back off of assuming that everyone has to be meeting these standards at the same time. As I said about mental health, everyone needs something different. Everyone's entering the world at a different place and based on our identities and whether or not we're marginalized or exploited culturally, we might not have resources, family support, school support. And so some of us haven't been able to go through these stages. And I work with some adults that are just learning how to ask someone out and how to really be sexual in their body um, their trans body their non-gendered body their larger body because again the world really tends to center <laughs> in education just one way of being the white cis hetero straight sized body um, so we want to just normalize that everyone grows and changes at their own timeline and that we can talk about these things. Um, all right, we gotta take a little break. Sorry, that was a little long-winded. We're gonna come back and we're gonna keep talking about what are the things we need to really talk to about children, you know, what are the things we need to bring up to children and young adults to talk about sexual health and wellness and bodies and puberty. We got the standards down, but there's some collateral things I think we've left out. So we're gonna come back and talk about that and we'll be doing some DMs. So stick around, you're listening to Love Line with Dr. Chris on Channel Q in Odyssey. All right, y'all, we are back, and uh, I'm just trying to help fill in the gaps around a conversation that's important. Not every family is comfortable having this. Not every school even tackles it, and it's really the conversation around sexual health and wellness and puberty, and I was just kind of going on and on and on and on about how everyone's going to hit different stages. Yes, there are some sexual and relational milestones that um, if you're you know, a sexual relational being, because some people are asexual or aromantic, and that's not necessarily something that they seek, but yet we still participate in the world, we want to just normalize that everyone hits those milestones at a different time. That um, yes, 75% of teenagers have had intercourse by the time they graduate high school, but that doesn't mean that there's something wrong if you haven't. It doesn't mean there's something wrong if you have. It just means that you in fact did or did not. And we want to really neutralize some of these. Um, like I said, depending on your identity, if you're trans or gay or queer in a more, you know, um, cis or hetero school or environment, you might not get the opportunity to practice asking someone out and flirting with someone and being in a relationship and learning from that and, 
you know, sexuality and feeling desirable and good in your body. And those are all important things. But some people will achieve those later in life, if even at all. Some people might not achieve those, you know, milestones. But those are things that we need to experience. We can only talk so much about courtship and flirtation and sexuality and to feel desire in our bodies and how to set boundaries and communication with others. And we do want to talk about those things. But those are really things we learn through experience. And that's why, in theory, the more sex you have, the more people you date, the, the more you're going to learn. If you are really conscious and mindful in that process, the more you're going to learn about what you like, what you don't like, what feels good to you, what doesn't. Um, and you'll get to practice communicating your needs and setting your boundaries. I work with a lot of adults that are still struggling with that. They still don't know how to ask their partner for what they want sexually. They still might not even know. They still don't feel comfortable saying, I like that, I don't like that. They are still having sex they don't want to have. They're still um, maybe dating in structures that aren't really um, aligned with who they are because maybe they're maybe more poly or more non-monogamous or they are monogamous or um, whatever it might be. But these are things we learn. You know, These are skills. We know uh, from the research that those that are part of communities or religions where they withhold sex education or delay having sex, that unfortunately when they then do have it, which they do, it's just they have higher rates of domestic violence and pregnancies and STIs and STDs, um, unwanted pregnancies I should say, and STDs and STIs because they don't have, they're not empowered with the information about safer sex practices. They haven't practiced asking for them and utilizing them. They don't know where to access them. Uh, they don't understand boundaries. They don't understand relational power dynamics because they've never been in real time in those moments to figure it out. They might also not have friends or family members that they can go to to ask questions and to problem solve. And so they wind up doing far worse. Uh, we want people to have information. We want them to practice these things. And I know that that scares people. And I know it throws people off when I say, hey, the more sex you have, the more relationships you're in, the better off you can be. You can learn a lot. People are like, oh my God. And I'm like, I know. But you know, if you're a chef, you got to practice by cooking. That's how you learn. If you're a barber or hairstylist, you learn by cutting hair and doing. If you're an athlete, you don't just sit in the locker room theoretically discussing what could happen. You go out there and you throw the ball around and you learn and you practice practice. I think we're I think we're not doing great relationally because not only do we not practice, but also we don't get great advice from those around us. And a lot of my work is correcting people on the expectations or the boundaries or their, you know, even theories on what a healthy relationship is. So, we want to normalize all of that. Um that word is so important, just letting people be where they are and saying, this is what you're experiencing or this is how you are built and this is how you can work with that because um, our bodies change and that's really hard for some people. How do we feel comfortable in our bodies, um, knowing how to care for our bodies and how they function? Again, that's experiential, but we need people around so we can comfortably talk about this stuff. Um, also, just telling people that like they deserve the best kinds of relationships, that their gender and identities are all valid and valued. We need that reflected back, and that's got to be part of that talk is gender fluidity, gender exploration, if not for them, but for other people. Understanding that identity isn't fixed or rigid. Really discussing the fact that at different times in our lives, based on different people we're with or different people we meet, we those things might change. We might be focusing more on sex or romance with one gender, but at a different time in our lives, we might actually want to explore otherwise. I work with a lot of people that never felt comfortable in that, or they bought into this idea that once they decided their gender or their sexual orientation, that that was that. Um, but for a lot of us, these are open-ended things and they're very contextual and they can shift. And later in life, they might want to try having same sexed sexuality, or they might want to try having opposite gendered sexuality. Never, never think that, 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 that that's a final resting place. It's always an open system if we choose to make it, but we need to talk about that. We need to normalize that. Um, again, this whole topic is around in, in uh, expanding the definition around talking to children about the birds and the bees and puberty and just really, really, really not having those fear-based anxiety-inducing tactics or perspectives. Um, saying learning is okay, practice is okay, get experience, learn from that experience, diversify, lean into the creativity and diversity that can exist. That's one of the saddest things is when I work with adults that way later in life are finally given permission to be more liberated, to be more authentic, 
Um, and some people, they capitalize on that and they very confidently step into that. But for others, it's like a mourning process of finding this out later in life and having missed out on really experiencing that. Um, but I always remind everyone, you know, our, our uh, sexual prime is later in life when we're more confident, we're more open. When we're children, that might be our genital prime when our genitals are at their best, especially around pregnancy and, and things like that. But later in life is when we really maybe push on our edges and our boundaries. Um, all right, we're gonna take a little break and we're gonna come back and finish talking about this. And then we're gonna close out the show by sliding into those DMs. So if you got a DM for us, drop in the DMs on our Level Energy page. Questions you got, topics you want covered, something you want us to circle back to. Stick around though, we'll be right back. You're listening to Love Line with Dr. Chris on Channel Q and Odyssey. We'll be back. All right, we are back and essentially we're having a little bit of a convo about things that I wish were included in these discussions around, you know, changes in your body and puberty and sex ed. And um, every time I think I've finally gotten it all out there, new things start coming to my office that make me go, ah, yes, this work is never done. No matter how many different platforms you can utilize to get this information out there and help us unlearn things. There's always more, <laughs> always, always, always. We're talking about just normalizing the diversity and how everyone's on a little bit of a different timeline. I'm also trying to get people more confident, familiar with the idea that a lot of these things are things we have to actually learn with practice. And I know that that throws people off when it's relational or sexual and they get scared of the, at the idea of people actually having different sexual experiences and relational experiences, trying dating and having sex with different genders to really figure out who they are. Um, there's nothing wrong with that. Our, our sexual orientation is something that we're allowed to have very open-ended and very exploratory. Don't be afraid of your child at some point saying, oh, maybe I'm bi, maybe I'm straight, maybe I'm gay. Okay, just be there, be supportive. I have a niece and uh, for the longest time she identified as uh, gay. She thought she was gay and she was trying sex and dating girls. This was in high school. Well, she's now been with a boy for four years because after doing that, she wanted to try being with a guy and met a guy that she really enjoyed and they've been together for a while. No harm, no foul. Um, not, no, no element of our life has to define us more than any other element. Um, and we should be able to explore and still be allowed to decide who we see ourselves to be. And what we might've done at one point doesn't have to be part of our decision-making down the road as to how we see ourselves. It's a very clunky way to say, just because at one point you were straight or gay, it doesn't mean that that always is going to be who you are, how you identify, and that's okay. Explore. These are things that we figure out by stepping into them and encountering them and, and finding out what's true for us and what feels honest. So don't get so hung up on the labels and the identities. Go more after what feels honest and real for who you are. Um, yeah, really feel confident in that. Um, also, I, I guess maybe the final statements I wanna make is just that we all should be given access to quality, honest, um, age appropriate, but quality and honest information and resources. And I think that's probably the more global issue here is that um, we're not necessarily supported in, in finding accurate information because I think we're afraid. We're afraid of people being introduced to things. We're afraid of people stumbling upon something and seeing it as permission giving. You know, we do tell children to wear, we tell teens to wear a seatbelt in the car. That is not us giving them permission to drive fast and recklessly, but we realize that if they're gonna drive, accidents happen and we want them to be prepared. Just like when a child might be riding a bike, you'd say, hey, wear your helmet. That that is not you giving them permission to be riding recklessly or dangerously either, but you realize sometimes accidents happen and if that does, we want them to be prepared. Well, that's the same thing with things that are sexual and relational. Just because you're talking to them about safer sex practices, just because you're talking to them about boundaries, just because you're talking about different gender expressions, sexual orientations, different forms of sexuality, you're educating them on sex toys. None of that is necessarily giving them permission, although none of those things are bad things. So, you know, if, so we should be actually giving them permission to explore and experience and enjoy. But I want to back into for those that feel as though they are forcing or pushing. No, like the seatbelt and the helmet example, we're just saying we know that things happen and we want you to be armed with the right information so you know how to protect yourself. Just like when we talk to kids about, you know, uh, what, like uh, I don't know what you call it, but like domestic violence as adults, 
But even as teenagers, there can be stalking and there can be abuse uh, physically and emotionally. We, by bringing that up and recognizing that and creating an environment where we can safely talk to our kids about that, again, we're not we're not speaking it into you know uh, reality. We're not giving permission, but we're arming them with awareness of what could be. And in doing so, we're letting them know that we're a resource. And so we have to do more of that because that's something I hear a lot of adults saying. I wasn't given access to the right information or I wasn't giving access to honest information. All the information I was given or the conversations were really centered around my parents' anxiety, even in school. They wanted to make sure our parents parents weren't uncomfortable, so they withheld information from us, centering the parents, which is the opposite of education. <laughs> education is always the open and honest free exchange of truth, of information. But when you're really worried about caretaking the parents, you're going to then be setting up a curriculum that caretakes the parents. And if you as a parent are worried more about how you feel, you're going to probably withhold important information from your child. Let's not do that anymore. Because as adults, some people are still making up for that lost time, that lost information. It's not needed. Sex, gender, relationships, these aren't bad things. These are all healthy things. These are expected things. These are important milestones. These aren't things that harm anyone. If they're given the right information, they understand how to ask for what they want, how to set boundaries, what their needs are. So that information is how they actually are protected. Um, all right, enough about that. We're going to take a little break. When we come back, we're going to slide into those DMs. So if you've got a DM for us, drop in the DMs on our Loveline IG page. You all know the drill, questions, topics, past episodes over at wearechannelq.com. Slide on down there. Click on Loveline. You can binge, post, share, re-listen. But stick around. We'll be back listening to Loveline with Dr. Chris on Channel Q and Odyssey. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only twenty-five dollars a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile, get four iPhone 15s on us, and four lines for twenty-five bucks per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for twenty-five dollars per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. Five dollars more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at twenty-four monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling accounts to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. Thirty-five dollars per line connection charge applies. T-Mobile.com. If your day sounds like we need the report ASAP, you deserve Medella. If you've persevered through, you deserve this rich golden lager with a crisp but refreshing taste. Or if you overcame, two more reps, two more. You deserve this ice cold reward. Medella, the Markable Fighter. Drink responsibly, beer imported by Crown Port, Chicago, Illinois. A lot can happen between falling in love with a house and owning it. Having an advocate who can help you navigate negotiations, timelines, inspections, and more can make all the difference. That's what the expertise of a Realtor can do for you, because that's who we are. Realtors are members of the National Association of Realtors. All right, we are back, and now it's time to slide into those DMs. Sliding into the DMs. DMs always come from our Loveline IG page. Drop questions in there, topics you want covered. All right, let's see what we got here. This one says, hey, Dr. Kristen Loveline. I've been with my girlfriend for about a year. Oh, wait a second. This is kind of a little bit of a similar question. Let's go to this one. Dear Dr. Kristen Loveline. Oh, wait, is this the same question? I like this guy. Pretty sure I'm in love with him, you say. But, drum roll, he has a boyfriend. He's always flirting with me. DMing me and we're always texting. He says his boyfriend is at work, but I still feel bad. Yeah, I, I, that's an interesting flex. Oh, no, no, it's all good. He's at work. We good. <laughs> I'm glad you feel bad. Listen, participating in someone being cheating or having infidelity, again, we're going to find out more because maybe they have an open relationship or maybe their definition of monogamy uh, doesn't include you know, texting other people. Again, every couple needs to talk about what do we, what does monogamy mean because everyone has a different definition and you can't hold someone accountable to your definition if they haven't consented to that. It's a consent issue. Hey, what are we both promising? Because I'm going to hold you accountable to that and my feelings are going to be tied to that. You have to talk it out. Don't assume. Because it doesn't make you right. It doesn't mean whoever had the more stringent definition was right. You should have known. No, no one should know anything. We have to consent. We're adults, right? So you got to talk about that stuff. So maybe this is cool for them. A lot of people don't care about stuff like that. I personally don't. Um, and I'm in a relationship. I'm like, that ain't that deep. But Nonetheless, my point being, if you are helping someone cheat, 
like this person might be, you are at fault. You are part of creating harm. You are not absolved of that. You are an accomplice. Be better than that. You're not, you're not getting exactly what you want, I don't think, but nonetheless, you're helping harm someone. And I think you'd be offended if you found out someone was helping someone you cared about in a relationship with cheat on you. I don't think you'd be like, no, that's cool. If you know, do better, right? Um, so I don't, this work thing is wild to me. Oh no, it's good, he's at work. Uh, he keeps inviting me over to have dinner with the two of them. That's actually my worst nightmare and my biggest fantasy. Ah, gets more colorful. Is there a nice way to ask? I'm sorry, is there a nice way to say, and I quote, break up with him and then we can hook up? Whoa, this is a zinger. Um, well, a couple things. Are you just looking to hook up? Because if you're looking for more, this person is showing you that they're open to betrayal and that they're not really worthy of trust as evidenced by the fact that they're having a side relationship with you. Uh, and I think it'd be very, very unkind to show up at dinner as though we're all friends when we're all not. Like that is a lot more harm. Unless again, this person's boyfriend knows about you. So that's my first question. You need to be an adult and say, hey, what we're doing is leaning into the erotic and sexual. Does your partner know? Oh, they don't. How would they feel if they did know? Oh, they wouldn't like that. Well, then I can't be a part of that anymore. And let's not pretend like we're friends to see how much we can push the boundaries and dance around in the gray area as though that's mentally healthy or even ethical. Like we need to have ethics, ethics. We have to have ethics. <laughs> we have to care that we harm other people. It doesn't matter that I think they're really cool and they're really hot or his boyfriends at work. It doesn't matter. Like we're not doing deceptive, manipulative things where you're going to be presented as a safe friend and then show up to the you know dinner table. That's horrible, very unkind. So there's a lot of missing information in this question, but it doesn't, <clears throat> excuse me, it doesn't sound like a good idea. Go get your needs met with someone who's available because I feel like you're trying to just steal and take the breadcrumbs. Like you're really hungry and I'll just take whatever I can eat. Go, go eat at a different restaurant that is willing to give you the whole meal. Don't settle for breadcrumbs. Like where's your self-esteem in this? That you want someone who's not available. And why do you want someone who's this deceitful and unethical? That to me erotically turns me off. I have no interest in participating in that uh, on any level. And you're harming someone. So go go find love and sex where it's, where it's available and doesn't hurt anyone. Because healthy sex for everyone is sex where no one's harmed. And if in any way the sex you're participating in or being a part of harms anyone on any level, that's not kind. And there's a consent issue in there. This, this guy's partner is not able to consent to that, but yet is a part of that somehow. So let's be a little bit better. We're, we're moving into the new year at some point, and we're going to all work on just being better and really considering the impact we have on other people and caring about it more, more of that. And that's why I keep saying we don't need to work on our single selves. We need to work on our relational selves. Here's an example. The person asking this question has to work on their relational ethics. You know, I say that lovingly, not to shame, but we got to do better. All right, y'all, that is our show. Thanks for sticking around and joining us. We'll be back tomorrow. As always, thanks for hanging out and y'all enjoy the rest of your night. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. TuneIn is the audio platform with something for everyone. News. In order to secure convictions in a court of law, it is essential that we conclusively. Sports. The clock at four. Donchich. The step back three. You bet. Music. You said my world on even podcasts. Whatever you love, hear it right here on TuneIn. Go to TuneIn.com or download the TuneIn app to start listening. Nerds. Today's episode is sponsored by NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast. Ready to expand your financial game? NerdWallet can coach you on smart strategies like choosing investments, finding your next credit card, and setting a budget that works for you. Score major points towards your summer vacation by learning expert tips for choosing a high-yield savings account and how to build wealth by investing in index funds. Slide into summer with smarter decisions in 2024. Follow NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast on your favorite podcast app. Future you will thank you.